Hello, my beautiful friends. My name is Bryn Wise, and you are listening to the Grace Mama Grace podcast. I am a mom who struggles with mom guilt, and I am working tirelessly to overcome it. It is my mission to help you remember that you are enough, exactly the way you are. You are the mother your children need, and you are perfect as a mother just because you love your kids. Let's do this. Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. Oh, <laughs> we lost her. <laughs> hold on. My computer's being all sorts of weird. Holy cow. That was awesome. You're like, hey, let's get going. Bye. Peace. Bye. Yeah, and I'm out of here. I love it. No, that was so funny. <laughs> you so can funny. cut that or keep it, whatever. Maybe people need a laugh. I know. That was so funny. Okay. <sighs> I know, like stop on me. It's good. Okay. Hey, 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 my beautiful friends. Kate, that was hilarious. I literally like started saying hello. And then my girl that I'm, uh, you know, interviewing today, she like disappeared from the Zoom meeting. And I'm like, oh, I guess she doesn't want to talk to me anymore. That was way too funny. Okay. Hi, take two. We are here. So freaking excited to chat with you guys today about this topic. You guys, this human, she's actually one of my cousins. It's one of the those like my husband's mom and her mom are cousins. And so like, figure that one out for me. I don't know. We're cousins. That's just what we're saying. Okay. And so she is amazing. She is one of those humans that has been in my life for a couple of years now. And she's actually one of my amazing customers. And I am one of her customers because she rocks her doTERRA business and I rock my beach body business. And we just like help each other and we're, you know, cousins for life, all those awesomenesses. And it has been such a beautiful blessing to have her in my life. And she's been in like, I don't even know, now like three or four of my accountability groups in a row back to back. And oh my gosh, just hearing from her in my Marco Polo accountability group and just her wisdom and just the gems that she shares, like literally pretty much every single time she jumps on to say something or share something. I'm like, okay, get rid of all distractions, lean in, listen, take notes. Cause holy cause she's about to drop some wisdom on me. Okay. So with that said, I don't know how this is going to go. We haven't had this conversation yet, but I bet it's going to be amazing. Okay. So if you're like super distracted right now, maybe this is one of those episodes where you come back and re-listen to it later, or just give yourself permission to listen to it again and again and again. Okay. So, but really, really, my girl, Stephanie, she is amazing, amazing. And it was in one of these Marco Polos that she shared something about motherhood and about how she and her husband decided to parent their kiddos. And she has two girls, two girls, and they are how old? So almost 17 and 13. So they're four, almost four, like just about four years apart. Okay. Awesome. And she was just jumping on Marco Polo, just nonchalantly one day talking about a a parenting decision they made. And I always love, like you guys, literally, I remember being like a teenager and hearing like parenting advice at church and was like, I'm going to write that down because I love that. That is so good. I love, I love parenting advice for whatever reason, especially for people above me and for people who've like got kids older than me 
or whatever. I just love learning from them because they, they've been in my shoes. They know where I'm at. They know how I'm feeling. And this is what they think is the most important thing to share. Okay. I'm going to sit at your feet and I'm going to learn from you. Right. And this was one of those messages where I was like, oh my gosh, I needed to hear that. And I bet my audience needs to hear that too. So you really need to get on my podcast and share that message. So before we jump into the message though, Steph, just tell us a little bit more about you. Tell us, I mean, we know we've got two girls. We know their ages. Just tell us a little bit more about you. Well, first of all, I just want to say thanks. You know how to really boost somebody's ego. Man, that was an awesome intro. I'm like, yeah, I need to come on here more often when I need like an ego boost, man. I'm telling you. Um, So I grew up in Southern California. Um, I was one of five siblings. I'm a middle child. So two older brothers, two younger sisters, and you know, total middle child syndrome. Like my brothers would like beat up on me or tease me. And so then I would try to do that to my my sisters. And of course I would get in trouble. So I'd get teased by my older brothers and then get in trouble for like teasing my little sisters. So it's really, you know, total middle child syndrome. So I grew up in Southern California. Um, I mean, I went to school in Southern California. I met and married my husband. We met working at Disneyland of all places, right? And then we got married. We lived in Southern California, Tustin, Orange County area. We lived in a cute little town in Colton, Riverside County, and we loved it so much. We lived there for only like nine months and then moved our way to Utah. Um, And then we were there for quite a while. And then we've been out in Michigan for about six years. So we started having our kids when we were, so Haley was born in California, Anaheim. Camden was born in Utah, Payson, Utah. And then we moved out to Michigan in 2015. And then about three years ago, we decided to sell our house, buy an RV, and take a trip around the U.S. And we figured that was going to be the best time for our girls because Haley was going to be in eighth grade and Camden was going to be in fourth grade. And we figured once they got into Utah, we didn't want to go anywhere anymore. We wanted to just stick around, make sure that they didn't have that, you know, having to move through high school kind of a thing. So that was kind of like a year of awesomeness, like growth and togetherness and just a lot of fun and just blessed that we had the opportunity that we had to do that. So um, background on me is that I, I don't know, like, what do you want to know? <laughs> like, I I was a dancer in college. I danced for Disney. I worked at Disney for like eight and a half years. It was like my favorite all-time job of ever. And then I was a travel agent for years specializing in Disney. And then I got introduced to essential oils in the world of doTERRA and I've been doing that for 10 years. Um, And then all the while being a stay-at-home mom. So not really having to work outside the home except for the time that I was a a dispatcher for Utah County. So police, fire, medical, you know, 911 dispatcher kind of a person. So I've had a lot of really awesome and fun and interesting jobs over my life. Um, But I, I love being at home. I also feel like being outside of the home is also beneficial for being a good parent and a good mom, getting outside and doing stuff on your own. Um, But definitely being able to be at home was a a huge blessing, being able to work from home and that kind of stuff. So anyway, that's a little bit about me. I love Christmas. I love um, chocolate. I mean, (laughs) I go on for days about the things that I love and don't like, but yeah, that's a little bit about me. I love that. And honestly, I think just that alone and Sometimes I think as moms, when we're asked to like introduce ourselves, we stop at, oh, hi, this is my name. I've been married for so-and-so years. I have these kids. These are their genders. These are their ages. 
Not my only identity, people. Not yep. my only identity, and right? I love that. I love that. And I think just right there, there is so much wisdom to be gleaned in that alone. Mm-hmm. Because it is so easy, especially for us, like younger moms, right? Like to lose ourselves in that. Mm-hmm. that oh, when I was there. I was there. I've been there, done that, and realized that your marriage is not happy. Your relationships with your kids are not happy if you are not yourself first and foremost. Um, because then your kids can see that you have your own identity. You know what I mean? They can see that you know who you are and that, you know, in our in our world, God is first, my marriage second, my kids third. You know, I mean, because if you are I think so many marriages I've seen get drawn apart or they get broken apart because they are so divided on how to parent their children and because they're putting their kids first. Right. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, if you have a kid that has a need and putting that first, I get that. But overall, generally, you know, God first, my marriage is second, because if we put God first in our marriage, we're going to be drawn to that same goal. Right. And then if my husband and I are taking care of each other, it's so much easier to then take care of our kids. Yeah. Because you're on that same plane, right? I love that. I love that. And I think I I totally a hundred percent agree with that. I think I would just add in in the way that Blake and I, my husband and I have found what works best for us is that there's just a little subsection of God, me, marriage, kids. You know, mm-hmm. I doing the things that make me happy. Do I know who I am? Do I have hobbies? Am I doing my hobbies on a regular basis? Because then I, I can bring more to my marriage and then I can bring more to my kids. Am I, you know, happy in that regard? So I love, I love, love so much. About that. <laughs> okay, so I just want to dive right into what you were sharing on Marco Polo, because I just feel like there's so much we could chat about there. So tell us what you shared with me that day. That was just like, oh my gosh. Well, you tell me what I miss out because, you know, I sometimes it's so funny because communication, like I I talk a lot of things out. So when I have like a thought in my mind, I talk it out to kind of work through it in my mind. It's like, I'm really weird. I don't sit there and get in my own head. I talk it out. And so sometimes when I go back and people are like, what did you say again? I'm like, I don't know. I can't remember. (laughs) Um, But one of the things that I think I mentioned was letting your kids fail like letting your kids fail early on in life because i know there's a whole theory behind it and you know you we try to protect our kids right like when they're they're really really little like to like when they grow up we want to protect our kids like that's just our natural motherly instinct right like they're gonna get hurt by people at school like we just want to jump in there and you know kind of take care of it right mama bear pops in um and I have, you know, between my husband and a few of my friends, one of my friends that I lean on a lot, Cheryl, she's child family therapist, like her therapy, like expertise, I would call on a lot in a lot of these instances. A um, couple of friends of mine, you just kind of, if you find those people that you really like lean on, like it takes a village, right? Like I, I can't know everything all by myself, lean on other people's strengths. And so I would call Cheryl a lot, especially when they were young um you know about like things that would happen at school or conflicts that would happen at school and she's like the kids need to work through that themselves because if we're jumping in all the time they're not gonna know how to conflict resolve on their own um so that was kind of one thing that kind of started this pathway on the way to kind of where we thought once they got into junior high we had a hard time with our oldest 
in junior high, like not wanting to do homework. And I'd always have to write her and write her and just be like, get your homework done, get your homework done. And it, it was tough and it was strenuous on me and strenuous on our, my husband because they weren't getting their work done. And it's not that she couldn't do her work. She's extremely intelligent. Like at a young age, like nine months old, she was like talking full sentences, like just a very intelligent child in kindergarten. <laughs> I remember one time where um, she came home from school, got in trouble for like talking or something like that. Cause you know, she's a social butterfly like me. And my husband asked her like, do you think you're smarter than the teacher? And she's like, like nothing. Like, yeah. Like she full on thought that she was smarter than the teacher. So um, she's a very smart kid, like intelligent, but doesn't like the hard work if she starts to get challenged because normally things would come easy to her once she started to get challenged she would be like backing off like nope i don't want to do it and it's like well why don't you want to do it because i can't do it well having to teach her that practice you have to do that to get better was kind of like our big huge thing in junior high and so there was one time where we would just get so frustrated because she would start like her grades would slip she'd get down to a d almost to an f and then we would write on her and she would be like she would jump her grade back up so we knew she was capable and so at one point my husband was just like she just needs to fail we need to let her fail and i was like no my first initial instinct was like no we can't let her fail like and he's like honey it's just junior high she's going to have the same problem because it's happened over and over and over again. She's going to have the same problem come up when she gets into high school. And then it's too late because her GPA is stuck, like ready, like college transcripts, you know, like getting into colleges and all those types of things. It's going to be much more difficult in high school to go through this than right now. We just need to let her fail. And I was like, you know, taken back, but logically it made sense. And so we backed off we kind of like went to the point where we just kind of let her do her thing and let her fail and as a parent that's hard like to just kind of step back and seeing your kid fall flat on their face and but really what ended up happening is that she was learning oh shoot mom and dad aren't gonna step up i gotta do something and she rose to the occasion like i sometimes don't feel like we give our kids enough credit that they can rise to where we want their expectations to be, like the expectations to be. So um, we it's almost like we stifle them in a way, but like if we raise the expectations, they're gonna jump up and raise to that bar. Um, same kind of thing with um, waking up for school. That was a hard thing. Oh my gosh, was that a hard thing for her? Um, and waking up happy, that was another thing that we had to like teach them. Like even if you're in an angry mood, it doesn't mean you get to be rude to everybody. So, but getting up for school and getting up on time and getting themselves up because i know there's so many parents out there that they're the ones that wake up their kids and it's the parent responsibility to wake up the kids instead of putting the responsibility on them saying hey mom's leaving at this time to go to school if you're not in the car i'm leaving without you and you can walk your butt to school but i'll be late well then that's your choice and so teaching them at a young age, those expectations, and it was really hard for me to kind of go through that whole process of taking a step back and letting them fall flat on their face a few times, because now they get themselves up and ready to school and out the door. I mean, we bought this house so that way we could be blocks from school so they could walk themselves to and from school. That's how close we live. So there's no reason, unless it's like raining or snowing, why they can't walk to school. So 
there's a there's been a few days where they've like been late to school, but then that's on them. But now we've got to the point where they like being early to school. They like doing that, but they have that expectation on themselves now. And we've been able to take a step back. And you know what that gives me as a mom? I'm able to sleep in longer. I'm not able to, I don't have to stress about them getting themselves up ready for school because it's now an expectation and they've done it for so well. And I trust that they're going to do that, you know? And then if they come to me and say, mom, I have to be to school early for something. Can you take me? They now have that skill of saying, oh, I'm looking forward to like what's going to happen tomorrow. I need help from mom. I'm going to go ask. And then it's a conversation that we have instead of mom just telling you what's going to happen all of the time. I have your schedule. I'm going to tell you where you're going to be all of the time. They're now taking that upon themselves saying, oh, I've got this meeting before school tomorrow for my link leader crew or whatever, and I have to be there. Can you give me a ride? Because seminary gets over and I don't have enough time to get there. Absolutely. I'm there to help you. So I don't know. Is that kind of what I was supposed to talk about? Yes. (laughs) No. And like, I have so many thoughts around this and it's, I really, really, I'm, I signed my son up for a soccer camp thing. So it's like a six week, like two weeks of soccer, two weeks of T-ball and two weeks of football. Okay. Fun. And yeah, it's, it's been really fun. And it is crazy to me that I, okay, this is, I promise it's going to seem like I'm going to go on 400 tangents, but I promise it all has a point. Okay. So in early childhood development, we learned about different parenting styles, right? And one of those is (laughs) helicopter parenting. Oh yeah. And, and that is a major no, no in the development of your children and helping them to really grow into what, I mean, what is it that we're really trying to do as parents, right? We are trying to help our children grow into confident, self-sufficient individuals who are able to thrive in society on their own, right? Mm -hmm. That is what we're trying to do. Like blanket statement. I think we can all agree. That's our main goal as a parent, right? I want my kids to be a contributing member to society. Yes. A successful contributing member, Mm -hmm. positive, right? Like, cause we're all contributing, but sometimes it's not good. Not the way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) So I think we can all agree that that is our goal. Right. And I think, especially in today's day and age, it is where we have so much instant gratification and mm-hmm. like now, now, now I don't have to wait. I'm not even accustomed to waiting anymore. I have a problem waiting. I think it's honestly, it's not just our children. It's us as parents too. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have a really hard time waiting and being patient and allowing my child to fail, to then learn that hard, long lesson of what it takes to that ultimate path of success. Right. Mm-hmm. And in this soccer camp, it is literally crazy to me. There's probably like 10, 10 parents, 10 kids, whatever. And my husband and I are the only parents that sit on the sidelines. Where are the other parents? They are right there next to their kid, right there next to them and making sure, Hey, did you listen to your coach? And like re-coaching them on what their coach just said. Oh, that coach probably drives them crazy. Oh, I'm certain it drives that coach absolutely nuts. And maybe this comes from my early childhood background. Maybe this comes from my background of like teaching dance to little people or whatever, but like that drove me absolutely nuts. Like mom, go sit down. I got this. Mm -hmm. And there's been times where in church, right? Like you are 
I'm just going to get real. And Bryn Mode's about, come on. Okay. So there's been a couple of times where I've like subbed in nursery, especially. So if you're not the same religion as me, nursery just means like between 18 months and basically three years, you drop your kids off. And it's a beautiful opportunity for parents to get to go enjoy church by themselves. Like you get to actually go and sit for one hour and listen to uplifting spiritual messages by yourself. And there are so many parents that come in there and say like, oh, I'll, I'll just sit with them the whole time. It's, they're going to cry. They're going to, they're going to, you know, it's all right. I'll just stay with them. You're like, no, you know, get out of here. Like, enjoy it. For real. Like you have one hour a week one hour a week to come to church and learn about God. I think your kid can handle life without you for one hour. Are they going to cry? Probably. And it's okay. I know how to handle a crying kid, right? I know how to handle them. And honestly, I, it, it, it stems from a, I just, I, I want to be there for them though. Like, and I know I know why it's going to, you know, they're going to just be sad that I'm leaving them. Yes, you're right. Absolutely. And it's okay. (laughs) You cannot save them from everything. You cannot save them from everything. And you have to allow them to hurt. You have Mm -hmm. to allow them to feel fear. You have to allow them to feel pain. You have to allow them to get used to other humans without you. Because Mm -hmm. guess what? Unless and maybe you want this. I don't personally, but unless you want them to be that 35 year old, who's still living in your freaking basement. Okay. You have got to leave them eventually. Right. Yeah. You have and you got- want to train them to get out of your house and be on their own. It's funny that you bring up nursery because I was a nursery. I was called to be a nursery leader when Camden was nursery age. And we had three nurseries at the time. Our ward was that big. And I said, yeah, as long as I'm not in the same nursery as Camden, as long as you don't have her in my nursery, because I feel it's super important for kids to learn from other adults. Mm-hmm. I feel like, cause then it's going to prep them for when they go to school, they're going to be learning from their teachers or, you know, I didn't plan on homeschooling. So it's good for them to learn from other people and it's good for them to be around other kids without me there. Cause then they start to find their own identity on their own. It's almost like if mom is there the entire time, they're always kind of looking over your shoulder. Mom's always going to tell me what to do. I don't have to think for myself because somebody is right there telling me what to do. So I don't have to think. And so that critical thinking skill at a young age is going to be crucial. And if you wait till it's too long, then it's almost too late, but it's never really too late. It's just more difficult to start learning that skill. I think it's like a total skill. Totally a skill. And it is one that are even our 18 month olds are capable of handling, right? Totally. We don't give them enough credit. No, we really don't. And Mm -hmm. honestly, like, and I tell the nursery leaders, like the second my baby turned 18 months, all three of them, I get, okay, bye. I love you. Bye. And I left, I left. I didn't linger. I didn't like, I'm just going to make sure. Okay. Did I peek through the window of the closed door a couple of times to see how we were doing? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I made sure they didn't see me. Right. And, and I just, bye. I love you. I'll see you in an hour. And I left. Right. And then I would ask after class, how did they do? Oh, they cried for about 10 minutes, but then they were totally fine. The Mm -hmm. next week, how did they do? Oh, they didn't cry at all today. It was totally great. The next week, 
how did they do? Oh, they were, they were like leading the party. You're like, right? peace out, mom. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And by my third kid, the first was the hardest. Then the second was, honestly, she's always been Miss Independent. She was like, bye, I love you. you know? <laughs> You're like, what? Bye. I'm crying. <laughs> yeah, for real though. And then my yeah. third baby was totally just like, yep, see you, mom. Like, love you. And I hey, was look, like, it's oh. playtime. Look at the toys. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And I think as parents and in like back to the soccer camp, like my son has gotten, not that, it, not that this really matters. It's not the be all end all. Right. But they give away a participation medal, right. Every single sport that he's been in and he mm -hmm. got one in soccer and he got one in T-ball and I am so dang proud of him. And I have tried to tell him multiple times, dude, I'm almost positive. You got that medal because you were listening and you were participating and you were doing all the awesome jobs and mom wasn't right there mm -hmm. hammering you. Yep. You did that by yourself. Yep. And I am so proud of you. Right. So I've just tried to like reinforce him and just compliment him and congratulate him about how awesome that is and his independence. Right. And then I watch all these other parents and I'm sure, honestly, like I've had a, a couple friends, family members come to watch. And I bet my family members and friends are like, wow, you're like the worst mom ever. Look at all those other parents. They're so involved. Why are you sitting over here? You don't even care about your kid. And I'm, I'm, I'm totally like putting words in their mouths. Maybe they're not thinking that at all, but in my head, I'm like, they're probably wondering why I don't, why I'm not up there. And, but I know it's because this is not for me, mm -hmm. not my sports camp. This is, yep. his. this is his. And we enrolled him in this so he could have experiences so he could learn and grow. So he could do this. Right. Yep. Not, not, it's not a mommy and me situation. Sure. <laughs> Not what it is right yep. and and th there's a time and a place for that there is absolutely a time and mm -hmm. place for that. but there's also those times and places of i just need to sit down shut up <laughs> and let my kid learn yeah i i love like that you also brought up about the dance studios i remember the first dance studio I taught at, the parents weren't allowed to be in the classroom. The first place I took Haley to, parents were not allowed to be in the classroom. They had a two-way mirror that we could look through and watch. But if the kids saw me, especially at that young age, they're not going to act the same as if they're just paying attention to the teacher. It's that, I don't know, like it's, it just makes all of the difference in the world for them to feel that confidence of being on their own. But I think also too giving them a safe space to not be okay too. So like if he was to be in his soccer camp or t-ball or whatever, and he was to fail at something like I didn't hit the ball or I fell running to first base or I wasn't able to do well, you're giving him that space to self-soothe and to take care of himself and to reevaluate what could I do better next time instead of you always being there and like, coddling you know that doesn't give them room to grow because if you look back at your life i know for me i made a lot of mistakes i've made a ton of mistakes but i've learned from every single one of them and i've learned going forward that i wasn't going to do that again or i was going to do it differently at a conference i went to a few weeks ago we had sarah blakely the creator of spanx and it. one of the things that she said that her father asked them every single night at dinner was what did you fail at today? Giving them a space 
to be okay with their mistakes. I think we live in a world right now and these poor kids that are in high school, the AP classes, having to get straight A's because you got to get into the right school and so much pressure is put on them to be perfect. And that's not accurate in this life. No matter where you go, there's going to be mishaps. There's going to be mistakes. And if we're prepping them for that, I mean, I think that's where like a lot of the depression, the anxiety, a lot of that stuff, you know, adding social media into it and all of that stuff. But I feel like we're kind of doing them a disservice because when they don't get that A, when they don't get that good grade, when they don't get into that school, they're crushed. Their whole life is like crumbling apart and they're not even out of high school. And I don't know about you, I didn't really start living my life until I was in college. Like, end all be all was not high school. I was like growing afterwards, but I never really thought about that failing and that failing forward. Um, There's a story that I don't tell this very much, but I had a really hard time in high school. I really wanted to be a cheerleader. I didn't have any dance background. We didn't have enough money having five kids in Southern California and my dad was a cop, like, so not a lot of money. I didn't get to take dance classes until I bought them myself when I got into college. So I really started dancing when I got into college. But I really wanted into that. I really wanted to be a cheerleader. Like I really wanted that part of my life. I didn't have the skills, but I tried every single year. My freshman year didn't make it. Sophomore year didn't make it. Junior year didn't make it. Senior year didn't make it. And I was crushed, but I kept falling. But I I don't know what it was in me, but I just kept getting back up, getting back up. My second year of college, our college was starting off a new dance cheer program right so i went to try out for that because i was like well maybe i can try out again you know but i'm like it's college it's going to be a lot bigger than what it was in in high school right i had had a couple of years under or basically like a year under my belt and i tried out and i got in and i gotta tell you that it was so much sweeter getting in that time than every other time that i had failed in high school trying to get to that goal And I think that that getting back up, that getting back up, no matter how many times you knock me down, I'm going to get back on my feet. That kind of drive and that hunger is something that is like necessary in life because your life is not going to be perfect. You're going to have a marriage that's going to have problems. Every single one does. You're going to have friendships that go on the rocks. You're going to have a job that you're going to have conflict at. You're going to have kids that fight back at you. Life is not all roses. It's not all going to be perfect. And I think that if we let our kids think that everything is going to go just right because we're guiding them that way, once they get out into college and off on their own and in their life, it's going to be a rude awakening. Mm -hmm. So it's so much more beneficial for them to prep them before they get like let them fail like so when sarah blakely said that her dad asked her that i was like that's genius Mm -hmm. what did you fail at today giving them the opportunity to fail and being okay with it because that gives you an opportunity to become better to do better next time i love that so much and there there's a book called failing forward by john maxwell which i Mm. absolutely suggest it a hundred percent changed my mindset around Failure is actually a really, really beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Fail forward. Yep. And fail forward. It's really not a fail. Like you have not failed at it unless you are dead in a box, right? Like there is still time. There is still time. If that's something you want, you can absolutely pick yourself back up, dust yourself off, learn from it, try again. Oh, 
I didn't do it again. Right. Exactly. Like you said, you didn't mm-hmm. fail. You freaking danced for Disney. Right. Yeah. Like, that yep. is epic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you didn't make your high school cheerleading team. Right. And so yeah. I was devastated at the time, but I look back and I'm like, whoopee crap, whatever. That was just, you know. Yeah. It yeah. obviously was meant to teach you to fail forward. Right. And yeah how many people, I mean, I hear them all the time because I listen to a lot of personal development books, but like we know Michael Jordan, right? He was cut from oh, yeah. the high school basketball team and hello, yeah. it's Michael freaking Jordan, right? right. He <laughs> failed forward. He failed right. forward, right? And I don't know if you guys know this. I didn't know this until I listened to a whole bunch of personal development books, but Oprah Winfrey has a crazy backstory. Mm-hmm. Right? Like sh- just go look it up. I don't want to quote it because I don't want to get it all wrong. But I, when they started like, I'm going to tell you who this is. Can you guess who it is I was like no I have no idea who that is and then and then they were like oh it's Oprah and I was like excuse me what I had no Mm -hmm. idea that was her story and that was her upbringing she is a huge example of paying it forward right and just Mm -hmm. continuing to grow and thrive and with all of that said one of the things that I learned in one of my favorite human development classes in school was to praise your children for how hard they work instead of how smart they are. Yeah. And, and like, literally the word smart does not exist in our home. That is not a word that we use. And because when you praise someone for, oh my gosh, you're so smart. They Mm. lock that away as, okay, that was easy for me. I'm smart. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Right. Where instead, if we praised, oh my gosh, you did that you worked until you figured that out. And I'm so proud of you, right? Even if it came easily, even if it came easily, you can say, wow, you work really hard and really fast way to rock. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or or if it was really challenging for them, instead of, oh my word, you must be stupid or you must be slow. Hopefully we would never say those types of things to our kids. Right. Right, right. But, Mm -hmm. but instead saying it's okay. It's just taking your brain a little bit longer to figure this one out. But I know you, you're a hard worker. I know you'll figure this out. Right. I love that so much. Yeah. And that was one of those like nuggets that I was like, oh my gosh, I'm storing that away in my brain forever. Right. And my Mm. kids, they'll call me out all the time. If I ever use the word stupid, they're like, mom, you said stupid. And I'm like talking about (laughs) how my, I couldn't find my stupid shoe or whatever. Right. That I try to like reemphasize, like, I'm sorry, you're right. We don't use that word. I was talking about a thing, not a person. So it's a little better, but They call me out. They it's good that they're sensitive to that. You've you've done your job. I feel the same way too with um looks and like pretty. Like I was like, I don't really ever want to just focus on my kids' looks alone, you know, because I know that I had friends that all of their value was put in how they looked. Their parents praised them for how they looked or you know, didn't praise them because they had gained weight or, you know, that whole thing. Like, so that was kind of one thing that I just, it was kind of an observation for some of my friends in high school and college that I just did not want that for my kids to have that be something that they hold around their neck, that their value wasn't put in their, their looks. But I love the smart part of it too, that it's not because you're smart. It's not because you're intelligent. It's because you work hard. Yeah. You've worked your tail off. I love that so much. Yeah. And with the, with the looks one, I, 
I, my daughter, she's only three, but she is totally beautiful. She is like mm-hmm. gorgeous and I, and she knows it. Right. And we tell her all the time. Right. But I, I started to notice a little, and I I've said this before, but not quite in the same way. And just in case you're new here, hello, welcome to the story. Um, but I started to notice, I would tell her like, Alila, you're so beautiful. Right. And she'd be like, no, I'm not. My hair looks crazy right now. Or no, I'm not. I'm just wearing my pajamas. Right. Mm-hmm. Or whatever that I was like, no, no. Like we got to nip this in the bud like now. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I started to emphasize you are beautiful always. And so always. I tried to make it a, a, a point that you're beautiful because God made you mm-hmm. right. And you're naked. And I'm going to tell you you're beautiful right now. Yes. Like at first she was like, mom, I'm naked. And I'm like, well, you're still beautiful when you're naked. Right. Mm-hmm. And Cause you have a beautiful body that God gave you and your body is beautiful. Right. No matter what you look like, yeah, no matter what your hair looks like, even if it's mm-hmm. crazy and sticking out all over the place, even if you have syrup all down your pajama shirt, even if you, whatever, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now you're wearing your beautiful on a dress and I did your hair all cute. You're also beautiful then too, but you're always beautiful. It's mm-hmm. not dependent on, I have to be, I have to have my hair did. I have to be all dolled up. I got to have my good shoes on like that. No, that, that does not define your beauty. You right. are beautiful always. Yes. It was one of those like high five self parenting moments when yeah. I, <laughs> I, I got out of the shower and with me and all my mom bod glory, right. My saggy belly button and my stretch marks. And, um, she, she looked at me and she said, mom, you're beautiful when you're naked. And I was like, I love that. You're like full circle. Yeah. Full circle. Yeah. And it was right. I can, I can learn from you too, kid. Yep. Yes. Cause my Mm -hmm. first reaction was to argue with her. Of course. Like, yeah. You're like, uh, like, do you yeah. see all this? Right, like my hair is wet. No, I you call those war stripes right there. Call yeah. them your war stripes, right? But I feel like that's huge because I. This is a whole other thing, but I feel like we've been brainwashed to get down on ourselves whenever we're begin. We've been given a compliment, and so turning that around and kind of like feeding into your kids, let's brainwash them the right way that. It's okay to take compliments and just say, thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, thank you. I've worked really hard. Thank you so much. There's nothing wrong with that. Like we've almost been told that you're prideful if you accept compliments, which that's not the case. That's never what God told us that, you know, it's okay to say, thank you. Yeah. I've worked really hard. I appreciate you noticing, you know, cause how, how good does it make you feel when somebody notices that about you? And so then it it gives you the opportunity, hey, what can I say that's really nice about them? Or what do I notice about giving them a compliment, you know? And it kind of goes round and round. And I just don't think that we give ourselves enough grace. I don't feel like we give ourselves enough compliments. I don't feel like we notice those blessings or those gifts that we've been given. And once we do notice those gifts, it's okay to share them with the world and be confident about those and saying, yeah, I'm awesome at this. I would love to help you out because I'm really good at this. It's almost like we've been like conditioned to say we're prideful if we say I'm good at something. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And I, I'm trying to find it. I can't remember how it goes exactly, but there was a, a time in my life where I was like struggling with that, like confidence versus humility, confidence versus humility. And I can't remember who said it or how it really goes, but it was something along the lines of humility is not thinking less of yourself, Mm -hmm. thinking less about 
yourself, mm. right? You can still think very, very highly of yourself as a person. And while also thinking about other people, I'm not, my right. thoughts are not consumed by me, 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 but I still think I'm a really awesome person, but my thoughts are consumed with, okay, how can I help others? I'm right. freaking awesome. I want to help other people feel freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it doesn't have to be this humility equals I suck. Right. 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 Cause that's not how it is at all. That's what Satan would tell us. That's what the adversary wants to tell us because he wants us to be down deep and horrible about ourselves, like feel horrible about ourselves. Um, but that confidence, that's, that's what comes, that's what God gave us that gift of like, I'm here and I want to contribute to everybody else around me. And if we do that to ourselves, how much easier is it then to teach that to our children and give them that confidence before they're out and on their own? Haley was just telling me the other night, like, mom, only another year and a half. I'm kind of scared. And I'm like, what, what do you feel scared about? Because there's nothing to be scared about. You have trained for this. You do your own laundry. You have a job. You know, we're working on your license because COVID kind of messed all of that up. But, you know, like you're going to be okay. She's like, mom, but I don't know what I want to do. I'm like, that's okay. We'll figure it out, you know, and just that giving them that confidence and knowing that it's okay not to know everything. It's okay not to know exactly where you're going, but to step into faith and to know that you're going to be okay no matter what, because even if you don't know where you're going, we've got your back. Mm -hmm. God's got your back. Like you're going to be okay. And having that confidence going into that is going to be a game changer in the world. Um, I see so many kids that come home from school because they just can't hack it. They can't handle the stress. They can't handle all of the stuff. So we need to do the, what we can to prep them now to be okay with being on their own. It's okay to be alone without a device. It's okay to be on your own without having to have other people around you or watching television. Like, what can you do? Like, another thing that we talked about was being bored is good. You know, I had an aunt and my mom that would tell me all of the time, and I tell my kids, you know, if you say I'm bored, what am I going to say? only boring people get bored. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not a boring person. Go figure out something to do. Otherwise, I'm going to teach you how to clean something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go clean a toilet. Go clean the baseboards. Like, I'll give you something to do if you say you're bored, because that means that your creative mind is not working. And I know that you have that creative mind. And so now we have a space down in the basement that they usually go to. They never say I'm bored anymore. They go down to the basement and they're like, I actually don't go down there because it's a really big disaster area. <laughs> it stresses me out, but it's their creative space. Like they can do whatever they want down there. Um, Cause they're not boring people. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. And I remember back to the like choice thing, like giving people the choice and what do I want to do when I grow up mom? Like I, I, we'll figure that out. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember a very, very defining moment in my teenage years where I was faced with a really hard, I was, I was involved in musical dance theater, dance company, drama four and drill team. And there was, of course, being involved in four different extracurricular activities. Of course, there's going to be some scheduling conflict. Right. Mm-hmm. And there was one, one time where my drill team competition was the same exact day as a performance that it was our opening night for one of our plays. 
And I, if I missed opening night, like I can't be in this play period at all ever. Right. And so I had that really hard choice of <laughs> what do I do? What, what do I do? What, yeah. what am I going to choose? Mm -hmm. I looked to my mom for like, mom, what should I do? And I, I, really in that moment, I wanted her to tell me, I wanted yeah. her to tell me like, this is what you should do and go forward and whatever. But she didn't do that. She, she was like, honestly, Bryn, like, I don't know what you should do. You need to, you need to pray about it. You need to fast mm -hmm. about your decision and you need, you need to follow your own heart. And it was one of those moments that it not only instilled confidence in myself to be able to lean into my heart and what really is going to bring me the most joy, but it also gave me a really beautiful relationship with prayer and mm -hmm. with God and that, and that God cares about me and my life. Right. And mm -hmm. it was hard. Like it, it even after I made my decision, I mean, somebody's going to be let down. I've been on drill team for four years. I've only been in drama four for a year. And, and so when I picked this, I, I picked the play over, over drill team and my drill team friends were so mad at me, so mad at me. And so it was one of those moments though, that it was like, I think if my mom had told me what to do, like someone would have been mad at me, someone's mm -hmm. there. And I think if my mom had told me what to do, I would have blamed her. I would have yep. like, well, it's my mom. Like my mom made this choice. I, I couldn't even whatever. And just like throw my mom under the bus. Yeah, right? yeah. But when we had this moment of these drill team girls, we actually like canceled practice one day because we needed to have a heart to heart because my whole team was so mad at me mm. about it. And I was able to stand strong in my choice and my decision and tell them exactly why I chose what I did. And this yeah. was like during the recession and I needed, I needed scholarships to be able to go to college. And I knew that being in this play was going to give me more access to scholarships because we were performing it at a conference, UTA, whatever thing. And I knew that I, I wanted to do this, or at least I thought I did. Spoiler alert, I didn't do theater. Sure, sure. <laughs> but, but it, um, it taught at, you this lesson. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't have had that opportunity to learn what you learned from that and to gain that testimony of prayer and leaning on that faith, knowing that that was the right choice. And that's the foundation for probably other choices that you've had to make. Like this works once, I'm going to pray about it again mm -hmm. and leaning on that and being able to know that you can use that on your own without your mom. We've had a few times where Haley's come to us and being like, mom, just tell me. And she's flat out said, just tell me what to do. And I'm like, I can't. And that's the hardest thing as a parent because I knew what I wanted her to do. Mm -hmm. I could tell her exactly what I wanted her to do, but you know, she needed to have that opportunity to learn to make those choices. And like, these are going to be things that you're going to have to decide once you get on your own too. So what better way to do it now, mm -hmm. you know? And then she even had to make, you know, the, the choices with friends, like, you know, friends being mad at her, friends being mad at you or whatever, like her realizing in certain situations, like what friends are probably not the best friends that they were beneficial at the time when they were friends, but you know, realizing that they're probably not, and like making that choice in high school to change your friend group completely is massive. So, but being strong in that, cause she's like, mom, what do I do? I can't tell you what to do, honey. I don't like your friends, but I'm not going to tell you that, but you make the choice yourself, like whatever it is you're going to do. And it's been beautiful seeing her make those decisions 
and doing that on her own. And so as a parent, that's really awesome. And your story, you know, I'm sure your mom at the time was like, I want to tell you, or I want to make this go away. You know, like that's the natural instinct of a parent is to want to make this go away. But is that going to make your child grow? Is that going to help them get to that next stage? Is that going to help them gain your own testimony? No, they need to do that on their own. Yeah. And I, read this quote yesterday actually that said when we blame others we take away our own ability to change yeah oh yeah that's beautiful i know i love that and i think it was a hundred percent like with what i was referring to that if my mom had made that choice for me and i just threw her under the bus and blamed her right it wouldn't have been this beautiful learning opportunity that turned into something really great Mm -hmm. me and my team you know what i mean and when they when they could understand it from my perspective and why I chose what I chose. Yeah. It turned into this beautiful, humble moment where they recognized and realized like, oh, maybe we can serve Bryn in a different way because I didn't realize that her family was going through this recession and it was taking, it was taking a huge toll on her family. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, then it just opened up a beautiful conversation and it made the change last, not just in me, but it had a, it had a bigger scope where it could have just ended with my mom made this choice. This is what it is. Right. Right. And then they would just be angry and that angry sits there and festers. And that's a whole energy conversation, you know, energy just kind of drags everything down. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, but I, I just keep going back to that whole thing that you being able to stand in your truth, being able to be stand there and be confident. Um, and that's a conversation I think we had with Haley not too long ago about making those choices on her own and being able to stand there and tell people confidently that that's my choice, mm-hmm. as opposed to being wishy-washy. I think I grew up in a household where appearances were, I mean, I don't want to make it sound bad. This was not bad. Like it just, but just sometimes culture in general, based on where you live, especially in Southern California, appearances are a big thing, right? Like just, and so there was a lot of times where mom and dad were thrown under the bus. My dad was a strict cop. I could never go to any of the the, the parties after school because my dad would usually show up and arrest people. Like that's not the kind of place that my dad wanted me to be, but I was always able to throw him under the bus. Um, but one thing that he did bless me with was telling me stories about my grandfather who was an alcoholic for about 10 years and how that affected his family, but then also how he instilled at us, like, don't ever take a drop of alcohol. Don't ever do drugs, not at least once, because we have very addictive tendencies in our family. And if you take it once, more than likely, you're going to be addicted. That's just like, we have those genes in our DNA. So when we would go out like with friends or friends would ask me to go places, I would almost use that as an excuse sometimes. Like, you know, I'm not going to take a drink because we have alcoholism runs in our family and I don't even want to go there. But later on in my life, I was able to stand confidently in the fact that no, I've made a choice and a covenant that I'm not going to take that sip of alcohol. Like it was almost like a progression. First it was like my dad. And then I was like, okay, no, I needed to learn. Like there was this next step of like, okay, now throwing grandpa under the bus, right? Almost like, right. But then I was like, do I have a really true testimony 
about the word of wisdom, about not drinking, not doing drugs, not smoking, all of those types of things. And so um, I feel like there's also a progression and a line upon line that almost goes in there, but getting there and having that confidence to stand there and just being okay with whatever, come what may, I'm making this decision, whatever's gonna happen, whatever problem's gonna be thrown my way because I'm making this choice, so be it that this is my choice and I'm, I've made it and being confident. I think that's the biggest takeaway from that conversation. I think for me is just being confident in those decisions because then whatever comes, I made that choice mm-hmm. and I will live with whatever consequences or whatever throws my way. Cause I can make my choices, but I can't necessarily choose the consequences that come because of it. Mm-hmm. Totally. So, and instilling that in our kiddos, just so young, right? Like 18 months to three years to 17 to 14, whatever, like as yeah. soon as we can, and just really giving them that power. And there was another episode that I did with a different Stephanie, Stephanie Johnson. Uh-huh. And we talked about Um, grace with your children's choices, right? Mm. And we kind of talked about this concept of if we don't even allow our children to decide when or how they cut their own hair, Mm. Mm -hmm. then it will turn into, oh, I can't choose which college I go to. Mom, let me make any choices, right? So I don't- I don't believe that I have the ability to choose. I believe that if I do choose, I will choose wrong and my mom will correct me or fix me. Right. And I mean, just a silly, trivial example, but this was like a marriage example. My husband, I (laughs) spent all day long decorating for Christmas one time and I, it was fun and I liked it and whatever. And he came home and he was like, um, I, can I change it all? (laughs) I was like, what? Uh, okay. And, and granted, like my husband is not, he's above average. He's amazing. And he, his mom is like interior designer. I mean, not, oh, like, yeah. not she's, formally, she's, but oh my gosh, like he grew up like their uh-huh. home is beautiful. Their tables are set beautifully with floral arrangements galore and like glasses and all the decorations of table. Like, like yep, I've stayed with Susan a couple there. of times yes. and it's always <laughs> extra. It's beautiful. It's, extra. I love it. it's beautiful though. <laughs> And so, but what did that instill in me? I am never decorating for Christmas again without you here because, and it, and granted it's, we've come a long way. That was a lot of years ago and he trusts me now, (laughs) or we've had enough conversations to like, or, or I've spent enough time. Your husband has an opinion about Christmas decorations. (laughs) I know. I know he's, he's amazing. I'm telling you, I am grateful. He cares. Um, but it was and I think the same, but the same thing is true of our children and of any mm-hmm. relationship really, if we're like, Hey, I'm going to give you this thing to try and do it. Okay. You did it. And you did an absolutely terrible job. I'm going to undo everything you did and fix it. Like that undoes everything you were trying. Everything. To do, right. Yeah. So sometimes it really is like as simple as, okay, you just spilled milk everywhere. You get to help me clean that up. Yeah, literally handing them the paper towels until the milk is gone. Right. And did you just waste an entire roll of paper towels? Maybe. And all my like hippies out there are going to hate that. I just said that. Right. But sometimes the lesson in there is they need to learn how to clean up or they Mm -hmm. need to learn that they have this choice, this consequence, and they are capable. They are capable of, of helping and of 
of doing those things, right? I think that's always been the hardest thing is teaching my kids chores because I was like, I can just do it. It's fine. I'll be done in five minutes and it's going to take me three hours to teach them how to clean a toilet or whatever, you know, but that is time and invested time well spent because now as they're older, I can be like, all right, you know, the expectations, you know how to do this, go do it. I don't have to have a housekeeper. I mean, as much as I, I mean, that's one of my goals. I want to have somebody come deep clean my house like once a month, but I know that if I say go vacuum a room, it's going to be done. Go clean your bathroom. It's going to be done because we took the time early on to be like, like you said, help me clean up this milk. I'm not doing it for you. You made the mess. You need to clean it up. There's the action consequence. Not that everything has to have like a negative connotation to it. There's also the positive reinforcement side as well, but it's, you know, it's, it's that time investment with your children that it's not going to happen overnight. Did I learn how to clean a bathroom overnight? Did I learn how to, I don't know, I don't know an example, but I, did I learn how to do things overnight? No, it took me time. It's going to take them time too. We can't expect them to know how to get things done right away. Like if I just say, go vacuum the floor and they've never vacuumed before, things are going to get broken, (laughs) you know, but if I teach them, if I take that time and as much as it takes time out of my day, it's going to save me time in the future. Totally. It's that concept of you can either give a man a fish or you can do yes. fish, right? 100%. And I think too, like with that said, I mean, we're saying this with kind of a drudgery, like consequential, you know, whatever tone, but sometimes cleaning up the spilled milk is actually really fun. Like you can put the, you know, rags on your knees and crawl around like baby and we're cleaning, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to be like, no, you clean, you got to clean it up, right? Like it doesn't have to turn into this, like I am a screaming parent who gives you consequences all the time. You know, like oh there, there was totally like a, <laughs> something that's coming to my mind. We redid our floors in our house once and they were wood floors and they were like dusty, right? Like they could not get clean, like sweeping, mopping, whatever. They just kept being dusty. So I, my, my kids say that I earned total cool mom points with this one, but I went and got like a 12 pack of men's socks from the grocery store, whatever. We invited some friends over and we had the kids all put on these socks and they just went sliding across the floor and the socks were so big that it went on their knees. And so they were like sliding all over the floor. I mean, yeah, one kid put a hole in the wall, but that's okay. (laughs) It ended up working out nice, but I mean, it was just, it was like, you can make the stuff fun is my point. Like right now we do a 10 minute cleanup in our house and when we do our 10 minute cleanup we are blasting music the entire 10 minutes and it's just like a power clean like you just get something done but you make it fun and make it quick and make it like it doesn't have to be this long drawn out i remember saturday mornings at my house were always terrible because you'd get up and watch your saturday morning cartoons but once that one was done it was like time to clean everything was always cleaned on saturday and it was like make it drawn out as long as possible, you know, because it was just this thing that you dread. You can make it fun. You can totally make anything. It's like Mary Poppins, right? Yep. Boom full of sugar. Well, and really the more fun we make it, the less, the less time it takes really, because we're not mm-hmm. dreading it so much. Right. Yeah. 
and again, there's a flip side to everything, right? Like not everything has to be fun. So don't think to yourself like, oh my gosh, I hate doing my dishes. Why can't, why do I suck so bad? Like I can't make my dishes fun. You know, like there's, there's a give and a take. Sometimes you got to yeah. do stuff and it's not going to be fun, right? Yeah. But sometimes there is a way to make things more enjoyable. And sometimes music is the answer. Music is always the answer for me. Like one of our rules in our household is whoever makes dinner doesn't have to clean up. And so everybody else, many hands make light work. So if everybody else is cleaning up, it goes quicker. But if you leave it all for one person to clean up at the end, it's going to take that one person a long time and doing things like that together. Yeah, it may be a job that really sucks, but it's going to go quicker because you're all doing it together. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Okay, well, I feel like you and I could chat forever. forever. So we'll probably <laughs> wrap this up. But okay, so before we wrap it up, though, is there anything like any final messages you want to share? I think the biggest thing is just it's okay to fail yourself. And it's okay to tell your kids, yeah, mom really messed up on that one. You know, do you forgive me? It's okay to ask that of your kids. You don't have to be perfect in front of your kids. Because if you're perfect, then they're going to think they have to be perfect. So it's okay for yourself to fail forward, just like you're trying to teach your kids to fail forward. I love that. And one thing that just came to mind when you said that was um, one thing we've tried to like teach our kids is when we apologize, we never say, you know, when someone says, I'm sorry to you, our, what's your innate response, right? Like, what does our culture always say? It's oh, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. And, but really, it's, it's not, not okay. okay. It is mm -hmm. not okay. You just hit him and it is not okay to hit. Right. So what we say instead, when I'm sorry, I hit you Holland or whatever, it's, I forgive you. Mm -hmm. I forgive you. Right. And then they hug and it's adorable and whatever. And it's, it's turned really cute. My five-year-old has like latched onto it, like nothing else. And so sometimes my three-year-old or even me will say like, it's okay. And Holland will say, no, don't say that. Say, I forgive you. And yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. Not, you know, they, they really do teach us, but, but yeah. In our house, it's thank you for the apology. Yes. I love thank that. You. Thank you for mm -hmm. the apology. Yes. And I think honestly, just even I love you. Like, I love you when a hug mm -hmm. goes so, so far. Like, thank you for the apology. I love you. Hug, right? Yep. Like, 100%. And yes. So, oh, so dang good. Okay. So, you're amazing. And everyone on here probably thinks you're amazing too. And they probably, so nice. probably <laughs> want to find you. So, how do they find you? So, um, I'm, I'm on Facebook, Stephanie Hilgendorf. My name is spelt weird. It's like Stephen, P-H-E-N, and with the N and the E flipped. I'm named after my uncle, Stephen. I don't know if you knew that. Um, and so Stephanie Hilgendorf on Facebook or um, Instagram, uh, Stephanie Hilgendorf there. And then I also have my uh, my website, my oil website, goodhealthoils.com. Awesome. And Hilgendorf is H-I-L-G-E-N-D-O-R-F. You're so good. It's funny because when I, um, my husband, we were working at Disney and I looked at the name once and I spelled it out loud and then I said it and I was like, okay, now it's locked in. It's like, it's exactly how it sounds. <laughs> yep, it really is. Yep. It totally is. I love it. So, okay. So go find her. She's amazing. She'll bless your life. She's totally blessed mine. So, You're so funny. <laughs> awesome. Okay. My beautiful friends. So really, truly, like if you got nothing else from this message, the underlying concept <laughs> that I hope you grasped was 
our kids are so capable. Mm -hmm. They really, really are. And, but we have to take a step back, take a deep breath and, and leap. We really do have to leap into that unknown of into the unknown, right? I'm totally singing that in my head. (laughs) Yes. Like you literally, you have to take that leap into that. I don't know how this is going to go, but I trust my kid. And I, what is my ultimate goal? I want to raise a confident human that can thrive in society, right? Yeah. Be a contributing member of positivity and awesomeness, right? And that will only happen if we let them go. If yeah. We let them go. And one of my favorite um, lines that I heard in one of the plays that I was in, it's from the play, The Children of Eden. And if you ever have the opportunity to go see that play, please take it. It is amazing. But there's a line in a song where he says, the hardest part of love is letting go. Mm-hmm. And it really is so true. And I remember hearing that as an 18 year old and thinking like, what does that mean? Like, and just pondering that, you know, but mm-hmm. now as a parent, I, I, I get it. And I'm sure I'll continue getting it more when my first kid goes to kindergarten, mm-hmm. you know, and whatever they leave on X, Y, Z thing when they become adults, you know, but really, truly the, the hardest part of love and the truest part of love is letting them go and letting them fly and letting them soar. But that only happens if we let go. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyways, okay. Love this. Love this. Love this. Thank you, my friends, for tuning in. And we'll see you next week. All right, you guys, that's it. Thank you for sticking around. If this message spoke to you today, please feel free to share it with someone you love. It would mean the world to me if you would leave this podcast a quick review from wherever you're listening from so that other mamas can find it too. Be sure to find me on Instagram so that we can be friends in real life. You can find me at Bryn Wise. Thank you for making the choice to become a mom. Thank you for loving your kids. Remember that you are doing better than you think you are. Remember to lean on your village. Remember the biggest contribution you make in this world might not be something you do, but someone you raise. And always remember, to give yourself grace.